Good morning, and welcome to another exciting edition of Day Four with the Man, Frank, <laughs> as he takes a sip of his coffee. Well, I'm going for dramatic effect with the music in the background, and I'm trying to incorporate more pauses into it so people can really get jacked up for Day Four with Frank Scalish, number 148 on January 25th, 2024. You got the coffee? I have. Piping hot? Piping hot, black rifle in my mug. Which black rifle are you? Uh... Firehouse brew. Okay. You know, cool. I, got, I, got, I got to go with the firehouse brew, man. I like it. I think mine is, it says JB on the little cup. So I think that stands for just black. Perfect. Perfect. How are you doing? I'm tired, man. I'm so am I. So full disclosure, Frank and I have been up for a while because I'll be at Okeechobee next week. And (laughs) full disclosure. (laughs) What? Yeah, go for it, dude. Disclose. So I'm supposed to. I got a little chaos going on. So like an idiot, I forgot that I was out of contacts. So when I went to order more contacts, they were like, we haven't seen you in a year and three days. Not not a year. So therefore, I have to go in to get a new prescription. They won't just order of me course. my new contacts because it's been a year and three days. Now, had I ordered them four days ago, you like a real grown-ass adult should, I would have been fine. So now I have to go drive down to pick up some test samples so I can take them to Okeechobee so I'm not blind during the open. And That'll then make- I... That'll make pitching difficult. <laughs> yeah. So that's a 40-minute drive one way. So there's an hour after the show. And then I got to hook up the boat and drive up to the bass tank and have Scott throw a perspective mount onto my live scope because I'm convinced that that is the end-all, be-all at Okeechobee is to fish with the scope in perspective mode because you can see a lot more in the shallower water and know what the hell's going on out there. So by the time I get back, it'll be six. I'm supposed to leave early in the morning tomorrow. So I said, Frank, you want to get up at the crack of dawn and knock out next week's BTL? (laughs) I said, sure. Yeah. So we, we hopped up at at six. So next week's show is, is, uh, is a really good show. Uh, we're 95% sure it's going to air. Is that a fair number? I'd say 99% sure. 99% sure that it's going to, uh, there's that one percent of holy crap yeah. so if there is no show next week then we got up and recorded at 6 30 in the morning for no reason that's ironic i have no my office is in such disarray okay so i don't function well like that um my personality everything has function to be- well like well all this is organized it's super organized it's just stuff that like happened i've been working for a week to get ready for this event like non-stop like hey today i'm doing this today i'm doing this today i'm doing this and then these two things like i was always planning on going i was not planning on the contacts i was always planning on going to get the perspective on thursday but then we also had an ice storm on monday and tuesday so that like shut everything down for two and and i'll be honest with you i've been in your neck of the woods when they say it's an ice storm they're not lying like like where we live, we we get we'll get black ice where we live, but for the most part, we'll have snow, and you're not going to get the black ice really with snow on the ground. Um, but we once in a great while we'll get it, and mm-hmm. um, dude, I, so I would have to go pick my bass boats up when I when I was sponsored by Legend. I would have to go get my and that's in Mount that's in Arkansas, right? Yes. And yeah, so, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, and it's it, and it's right in it's right, you know, you're in between Bull Shoals and Table Rock basically. And you know how those roads are over there, mm-hmm. right? They're all like this. So it just it, it it was always inevitable it would be early February or late January when I'd have to go get the boat. And so a buddy of mine goes, Hey dude, let me go with you. I got nothing going. I said, yeah, come on. It'll be cool. You'll see the factory, the whole nine yards. Right. So we, (laughs) we leave to go down there and I don't think nothing of it because I'm leaving basically snow, ice and winter to go where 
for the most part, obviously this year not included, you guys usually don't have winter winter. You know what I mean? You'll have cold weather, maybe a dusting of snow here and there, but you don't have to really worry about towing your boat through there because the streets no. are usually pretty open. So we leave my house and it's a flipping blizzard. <laughs> and we have this blizzard following us most of the way down there. And then all of a sudden, all haywire goes nuts in the truck and I'm losing electrical and everything oh, no. else while my alternator went out. Oh, um, no. So we whip off into an auto zone, get an alternator, and we're in the parking lot, completely underdressed, and tr putting an alternator in in the parking lot. So we get, <laughs> we get that done. We get. So I'm like, well, we got the we got the crap out of the way, so yeah, we're yeah, good. Yeah. To, we're good to go now because the the bad stuff's gone. So I go, we get there, I hook the boat up and there the dudes are like, you're going to run it. No, I'm not running it. I'm going to hook it up. I'll break it in at the tournament. Get the I'm heck out of here. Yeah. I'm hooking it up. I'm going home. So we hook the boat up and they're like ice storms and all this stuff. And, and, um, we're driving through and it's literally a skating rink. And I'm going through this small town before I can get on the major highway from where legend was going through this small town and I go to stop. And of course, nothing is stopping. I'm sliding right. <laughs> oh, through the end. oh, that is the worst feeling in the oh, world, dude. And I'm going right through the intersection bass boat behind me. We're oh, all brand new bass boat, right? Brand new. Never but, even seen the water. So you're rolling no. 200 K or probably 150 K back then right through and, an intersection with zero control. Oh, no control. I'm going wherever the shit goes. And so I look at my buddy and I go, okay, so here's what we're going to do we're going to just pull over the first hotel we see and we are going to get a room and we're not moving till the morning when this shit's supposed to go away. And so I'm like, Oh, there's a hotel. And as fate may have it, there's a big steakhouse right next door to it. Nice. We're, we're going in that one. So I ease myself over into the turning lane. I get across the, you know, lanes of traffic and I go into this parking lot and this, and you know how it's real hilly down there. Yep. This parking lot rolls all the way down to the hotel. It's just, oh, you're sliding again, dude. I go in the parking lot and we're sliding down the hill of the parking <laughs> lot. I can't turn the boat, the truck left or right. Cause it's not doing anything. The boat mm -hmm. and the truck are like getting jackknife. And I'm, I'm sliding down this hill and there is, of course, there is one of those big giant metal garbage can containers. You know, those big, like they look like a semi truck bed. It's uh, is that called a dumpster? Yeah. Dumpster. So <laughs> I'm sliding right for the dumpster. I'm literally sideways boat and truck going to hit the dumpster bam sideways oh. and 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 it's and it's not like it's going 90 miles an hour oh it's slow motion but we're moving at a pretty good clip and i look <laughs> at my buddy i go brian i go god dang it i said we're gonna bust this boat up i'm not even out of i'm not even 10 miles from the plant we're gonna bust this boat up we stopped sliding three feet from hitting that garbage can so he goes what are we going to do? I said, I'm parking it right here and we're going to walk down the hill to the hotel and then we'll get, the, get it in the morning when all this stuff's supposed to melt away. And that's what we wound up having to do, but it was unbelievable. Like it was unbelievable. Yeah. Ice is no fun. And then especially when you're towing a bass boat no. in a mountainous region that you're unfamiliar with. Oh yeah. And every road there is like a snake. There's no straight lines. And of course you're on hills, you know, where if you go over the side of the, off the side of the road, it's not like it's a cornfield. You're going down somewhere. So yeah, it was, yeah. it was, uh, it was unbelievable. Uh, I know from experience as a uh, 17 year old, that cornfields are a great place to land. If you happen to go off the road at about 70 miles an hour. 
hundred percent, dude. Yeah, hundred percent. Now, depending on what time of year it is, it might be difficult to get that vehicle out of the cornfield. <laughs> don't ask me how I know that. Exactly. So, were you saying it was a wet spring? <laughs> yeah, I. I mean, I rolled it like I was on my way to pick up my buddy in the in the uh, uh, in my 1997 cherry red Pontiac Grand Am GT. And uh, I had, had gotten lost. And this is, you know, this is a long time ago. I'm just going up and down the country roads because I knew eventually I'd hit his farmhouse. I knew I was in the right area, right? Yeah. And I go cement to gravel. And in my inexperience, I didn't drive out of it and got the wiggles down into the ditch. Woo, 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 three or four times. <laughs> way the hell out into the cornfield came to and there were just night crawlers all over me because i had one of those big tubs next to me of like 20 dozen night crawlers that we were taking perfect every window was shattered but i had an uh i had a nine foot eagle claw catfish rod that was curled into the car yeah and i mean this thing was beyond totaled like it I, I was lucky to walk away from it to be honest with you uh and that's why i didn't get a ticket or anything the guy was like eh, hard to give a ticket to a guy who should be in the hospital right now yeah, uh, no and that rod that. was sticking four feet out the back of the vehicle unbroken perfect yeah what are the odds of that the odds there's a lot of odds that took place in that day man <laughs> may the yeah, odds no, the, be ever in your favor the ice i'm a little nervous about the uh washita tournament i have coming up i mean that's right there in the mountains in arkansas i believe there's a place called the washita mountains shockingly and it's the second week of February. Yeah, just bring um, get like a fifty pound bag of salt with you. That's throw that's good, and probably it might not hurt to throw a couple sandbags in there if it's going to look like it's going to be slip slippery in case you need to get some traction. Yeah, because if you know, and remember this: when you're backing down the ramp, if it's frozen, and you start to slide. As soon as your truck, your trailer hits the water, you'll stop. You're, you're going to stop. So that's brilliant. So instead of panicking and ah, because yeah, I never thought about that. Yeah, we did that on Lake Norman one one February. Everything froze, and we were and the water was down. And you know how Norman ramps are, dude. Mm-hmm. And uh, all these guys were you know back in their boats, and we, me and Troy were fishing a tournament there. Um, I think we took third in that one, but we were fishing a tournament there and um, backing down the ramp that they had the tournament blast off going out was literally on the side of one of those hills. And it just was like super steep right into the lake. And um, I started, I was backing up and I started sliding because as everybody's pulling their boats out, water's getting everywhere and then it's refreezing it was like a skating ring i started sliding and i just made sure i stayed straight and as soon as my trailer hit the water i stopped and everything was good and of course i have four-wheel drive most of those guys have trucks but they're two-wheel drive trucks and so we just threw some of the salt on the ramp and got the ramp open so these guys could get out did i did i tell you the story on the show of how i I was like inches away from totaling Zaldane's boat and truck last month. <laughs> no, I didn't tell you that story. No, no. Oh no. my gosh. <clears throat> so I'm in, I was, I was with Courtney in Fort worth and we were just hanging out that weekend and he texts me and he's like, Hey dude, you're not, you know, by chance down in Fort worth this weekend. I'm like, yeah, I'm sure he'd called a million other people, but he's like, Hey, uh, I, I'm in this, uh, fish and chips tournament poker fishing you want to jump in and i'm like well i got like going out clothes so i mean here i am in like a going out jacket and jeans anyway so i jump in it end of the day it's cold but this lake has this it's all like flat and then there's i don't know it's probably a hundred yards it's 50 yards of just a straight up on the road just straight up right to get up mm-hmm. to the top of the parking lot well they do like a drive through weigh in so you know chris being the elite series superstar goes up and weighs the fish in and stuff and i'm in the truck and we get back 
and there's no one in front of me. Well, I've never been to this ramp before. And so I didn't have it in four wheel drive. And then the guy, then Chris is stopping and shaking babies and side or kissing babies and shaking hands, doing that, doing shaking the, hands, shaking babies. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a good father! <laughs> so uh, the team behind us is waiting. They're like, "You guys got to move." I'm like, "Okay." So I just rrr, 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 let's go up, and he can strap the stuff down, and I'm in his. 1776 tundra with his you know nitro the whole nine yards and i get like three quarters of the way up this thing and because of all the boats that had come and it was cold i've got nothing <laughs> you're just this is going backwards <laughs> and of course everybody's like see, looking at chris because i'm wearing the you know a big wrap truck and all this stuff right oh yeah and i'm in the driver's seat so i lock him up and just burr, just tried to get something. So now I look like I'm at a nat, like I'm warming up the tires, smoke plowing out. And I'm just going as hard as I can. And the boat and the trailer are sliding back. Well, I got this freaking truck behind me. And Chris is, <laughs> Chris is like sitting there just, I mean, he can't do anything. And we're going back at, you know, probably five, six miles an hour. And the guy behind me sees it. And now he's trying to back up, but it's right on a curve. So he's got, got him. He's got one shot and about five seconds to execute a speedy backwards left-hand turn or else Chris's prop is going through his grill. Perfect. So what ends up happening is I end up like, I wouldn't say jackknifing it, but I was smart enough to, while I locked it up, I unlocked him real quick and the tires caught as it was and it like jackknifed it to where one of the tires caught some sand or some gravel on the side and I was able to get it off. But by then, I mean, this probably took 30 seconds. Like it was a long, loud, right, which smoke filled with everyone yelling. It was very embarrassing. But but you never had it in four wheel drive. No, but then I put it in four wheel drive afterwards and we climbed right up the hill. But I was terrified. Oh, yeah, I would be because it's someone else's stuff. And he came up and was just laughing. He's like, oh, the one time I turned the camera off. Probably. <laughs> he probably was cracking up. No, he was 100%. So uh, that's good stories. Last week, we did a Q&A show, Frank, and there were a couple questions uh, which led to future shows. And this week is one of those shows. There was a yeah. question about boat positioning. Now, you don't have to worry about boat positioning in Ohio for a minute right now, do you? I mean, is everything no. locked? The only position I have to worry about is how tight is my cover and how much snow is on it. <laughs> yeah, but now's a good time to think about it, to get a show that we can put in the archives that we can refer back to for the 2024 fishing season. Uh, so I guess the floor is yours. Let's talk a little bit about the importance of boat positioning today. Yeah, so um, this is going to seem this is going to seem um, obvious to some, but there's tricks in here. But boat positioning is everything for the bite. Okay, so when I when I consider boat positioning, is I'm going to put my boat in a place to give me the my most maximum efficiency for a catch and a land all right um and so there's a lot of things that come into play um you know you've got wind you've got current you know you, you there's just a lot of factors that come into boat positioning plus what type of structure you're fishing or or what type of cover you're fishing there's a million things that go into for me thinking about how am I going to position my boat? So like, I, I, I want to tell you a small story. Um, this actually involves um, KVD. Uh, we were in Florida and I had this long row of cypress trees and it had scattered, you know, scattered isolated grass around them. But for the most part, you, you were fishing the, the trees and the knees of the cypress. And so I was, 
I always work with the wind in my face because then I can control my rate of travel as I'm approaching these things. I never, yeah. ever, ever fish with the wind at my back. Plus, you can smell predators. Continue. Exactly. <laughs> Plus, I know when the predators are coming. So so I'm, I'm working into the wind. Um, KVD wants the same stretch of cypress trees, so he's way up from me with the wind at his back pushing him down this row of trees. So I'm going and I'll, I'll move my boat, get my nose in my boat where I can make a roll cast and get it underneath the, you know how they got that lichen that hangs on some of those cypress trees. Yeah. And make, shit. Yeah. yeah it makes it look cool. Right. So I'll, I'll, I'll position my boat so I can get underneath it or in between them or whatever. And I, and I'm meticulously fishing this stuff and I'm literally just picking my way around through this stuff to make sure that I have not only the best casting angle, but if I hook a good one, I can get them out of work because I'm square billing it. So I want to make sure if I hook a good one, I could get them out. So everything I'm doing is methodical. KVD is coming down there. And this, this bank was long. I mean, long, long. Um, he got up to me so fast and he had he had the wind at his back, and he had to go that way. Otherwise, he would have had to either come in front of me or go behind me. So he had no choice. And he's going down there, and he's casting. And he's like, hey, Frank, how's it going? And he's getting up to me, and, and we start talking as he's coming to me. He never, ever missed a cast, and he never missed a beat. And he was hitting these... I mean, he, he could hit an ant in the ass with his lure. I mean, he was putting it in places that were microscopic. And he and never, what was he throwing? Square bill. Okay. And, he, and he never got out of his rhythm. And he, and he comes up to me. He's like, hey, bud, you getting them? I go, I, I got a few, nothing to write home about. He goes, yeah, me too. And um, he literally casts over my back deck, okay, into a spot like that big in between these cypress knees the lure goes right in there he lifts his line over my outboard and reels in and just keeps on trucking and never misses a beat and i said well if i could cast like that then i wouldn't give a crap which way the wind was blowing either <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. so so to me boat position is everything all right and i gave you that example because that dude can flat out cast no matter what so mm -hmm. you know whatever but bow positioning for for most guys is very critical um so into the wind i'm always fishing with my nose into the wind always because i can control how fast i'm going i you have way more control i hate on a trolling motor with the wind at my back i absolutely can't stand that because you're forced to do things differently if you're fighting the wind behind you instead of in front of you. It's it's like if you're forward facing, if you're live scoping and you got the wind at your back, you got to wait till you get around it to get the wind in your face so you could control how, you know, how how you're moving. So, so that's the other thing. So, you know, if you're flipping grass flats, for example, like here, Florida, Let's say you you got this big giant grass flat. Wind's blowing a little bit across the grass flat, and and you know that you're going to be punching something or fishing in the grass pockets. Now I've done this in New York a million times, um, and the wind's blowing. It's not blowing crazy, but it's blowing enough. But you can't work into the wind if you're in the grass. Okay, because maybe because there are times when the bass aren't on the edges of the grass, there are times when they're up in it. And so you can't work the trolling motor into the wind because you're grinding grass, you're making all kinds of noise. It's a it's tough. So in that situation, I'll go upwind from where I want to fish, get into the grass and then lift my trolling motor out of the water and let the wind gradually drift me down the center of the grass and at that point i'm going to pitch in front of the boat so i'll be pitching in front before i get to the stuff you know before i get to the where the strike zone is so by the time i get there i, I have a normal amount of line out and i'm in in the zone and i'll let the wind do the work for me again 
it's boat control. It's controlled. I'm doing it on purpose. Um, I've done that uh, like in New York and Pennsylvania where the grass is not all the way to the top yet. I'll throw a drift sock out to slow me way down. Done a show on that. What's that? We've done a show on that. Yes, we have done a show on that. So I'll use the drift sock and the wind to my advantage, but I'm maintaining boat control. I'm drifting at the proper speed so I can fish effectively, and I'm covering the line on the grass that I need to cover. Mm -hmm. And so this is, you know, this is very important. Um, Heavy current situations, river systems and stuff like that. or lakes that have current. Like there are times when you'll be in a, in a Tennessee Valley chain where they're running water and there's current throughout the system. I always run my trolling motor into the current because I need to have maximum boat control. And so by running into the current, I can control everything. Now, let's say you're fishing a tail race, maybe below Pickwick or something, and they're, wa- they're ripping water. You know what I mean? Then you've got to do it in reverse. So what I'll do is I'll go upstream. Like if I want to fish this bank, I go upstream, point my nose into the current, and I backdrift down. So I'll use my trolling motor to slow my back. Because the current is so strong, you can't, if you want to fish ahead of you, you can't. You can't. The current is too strong for the trolling motor. So that's why you're backdrifting. But So like I've written, uh, I've written one word down for today's show control. Mm-hmm. Today is all about control. hundred percent. Everything is. So, I, so in that situation, you backdrift it, you use your trolling motor to keep you in position, but you're never going to be able to stop your reverse movement. The current is way too strong. Um, I, I learned this fish in the Niagara river. The current in the Niagara in some places is just brutal. And so to fish effectively, I had to get slowed down enough, keep the boat as far away from or as close to whatever I'm fishing as I need to be. And you could never work into it. You'd be out of, you'd be, you you won't even go forward. Mm -hmm. So, so using that to keep control, I can now, instead of me casting in front like that, I'm casting you know, not behind me, behind me, but at an angle behind me into the eddies and the cover areas that I need to fish. So that's, that's, you know, another thing uh, to remember, probably my most frustrating thing. um, This is going to sound bad, but I don't mean it to be bad. But one of my most frustrating things is when I'm structure fishing, if I'm fishing with a buddy of mine and and there were structure fishing were offshore. And for the most part, when you're offshore fishing, you just, all you really got to worry about is how strong the wind is as to where and how you're going to approach your structural element. Let me see. I, I got, I got, we got oh, drawings today. I had a drawing of a, a heavy current. You got drawings today? Yeah, but but here it's but, been like a month since we've had a good drawing. I don't know what you're going to be giving away at the classic because we haven't been doing any drawings. Like, yeah, we're like giving, the shows before the classic, we need to start doing stacks of drawings. We're giving lures away. So so the, if you know the current's ripping this way, um, this is your bow position. Uh, current's going this way. Everything on the front current side of things in the river is going to have all the debris blown off of it. So you're probably going to encounter rocks on all the upcurrent stuff where the current, where the current scrapes around the sides of secondary channels where you have two channels that meet. You have the current scrapes around. You're going to have hard bottom areas that are now exposed because of the current. These are things that you can learn from current. Okay, Mm -hmm. but notice the boat positioning. I'm going into the current to fish all this stuff going. And then you have to cast like if you're moving a movie bait, you cast past it, bring it back with the current. Right. You're going to cast it out that way and you're going to bring it the way the current's moving. I don't know. Everyone loves the drawings. I think everyone wants drawings. Do you guys want Do you guys that are watching this live want want more opportunity to get Frank Scalish 
one of a kind DTL <laughs> used drawings. I'm so happy that you're volunteering my me for this. Um, I don't. Well, no, I, no, no. You're not actually doing it for. No, I know. I'm. I'm actually looking for the the viewers. You are just taking stuff that you have done used during the show, like we did last. Remember last year, you almost got tackled with a with your briefcase of drawings. It yeah. was a mob scene. It was. It, it almost was on the news. But yeah, hey, well, so, look at this. <laughs> yeah, well, I won't have enough drawings for this classic, so we'll have to make it another classic. But I got tons of stuff to give away at this classic, so don't you worry. We're okay, gonna have a good sorry. time there. All right, back to back to the current topic. Right. So, um, so I, I'm actually recycling a couple of drawings here that I that I took out that I want to show. And I'm trying to find one specific structural drawing because um, it's very important for structure fishermen to realize this. So I'm just going to use an old drawing and I'm going to try to make it work. So my pet peeve is when I'm, I'm in someone else's boat and we're structure fishing and their boat positioning is wrong. And you say, well, if you're fishing a rock pile, how could your boat positioning be wrong? Okay, so here's here's the, the 2D sonar mentality with me. I always structure fish with a 2D sonar on because whatever I'm fishing, I'm gonna just see if I could, I'll use this one, even though it's not 100% appropriate. But if I'm fishing these this rock area right here, okay, I do not want my boat here. Can you see this? Yeah, I don't perfect. want my boat here because I'm missing the high percentage area here. So I'll position my boat here. So let's just say that's 18 feet. I mean, I'm making the depth up, but let's just say that that's 18 feet, okay? deep i know that if my boat is in 18 feet if i'm fishing a crankbait and i cast my crankbait up to here can you see this yeah you're doing it perfect it's like perfect okay so i'm casting my crankbait up to here i know that my crankbait's doing the meat of its work before i hit this break line okay so i'm covering all the high percentage fish holding area mm -hmm. because my boats my boats out here can you see that? Yeah, my boat's yep. out here. So that that's how I position it. A lot of guys will go, oh, there's the high spot. I'm going to, and they position their boat over the high spot. So what happens is they run their crankbait down. It does a little bit of work, but then it's got to come back up to the boat. And they're missing the main part of the deal. You follow me? 100%. So this is really important boat control for offshore structure fishing. And it's no different fishing a rock pile or um, a, a river ledge, you know, a, an old ledge on, on the river system. It's because as you start fishing your boat, if I know that the meat of the stuff that I'm fishing, the depth that it's in, right? I'm gonna keep my boat outside. Can you, yeah, okay, good. Outside of all of the depth ranges, I keep the boat outside of it all. Not so on I, the break. Not on the break. I want to be off of that break. Now, here's what happens sometimes. By doing this, I'll see bass that are suspended off the break line. Like, for example, I'll just use this again since it's right here. I'll have my boat out here, mm -hmm. and I'll see bass suspending over here. Are those neutral fish or those feeding fish? Or they're usually usually neutral. They come off the structure and they suspend there. So when I see that, then I could back my boat up even farther, and I can cast my crankbait through the suspending school. Where if I'm up on top of the stuff, a I'm missing a main structural feature, and I would never see those bass out there. Now, if, now with forward-facing sonar, as you approach this stuff, you could scan it, and you could see the bass that are suspending out there, if they are. 
Um, smallmouth do this notoriously. Yeah, that's great. So now with the Ford Faces sonar on anything that I plan on fishing offshore, I will shut down in the main river channel. I will shut down a football field away, get up, put it on high bypass, and then scan up to my waypoint. Yeah, because especially if there's smallmouth and spotted bass in the fishery, mm -hmm. notorious for doing this. Where if you're if the structure element you're fishing is comes up to top, let's say it tops out at 15 feet, they'll be 15 feet high, deep in the water column, but they might be 30 yards off of that. So they'll suspend away from it. They'll they'll actually if if they're relating to this, they'll actually be here and suspend here yep and you would never know it they'll be like right under your damn boat and you right. can't get a bait to them right so the whole key to there again is boat control we need to be able to know that we're making the most precise efficient casts now so so if you're working the river ledge okay you have to you have to with 2d sonar i sneak up a little bit so mm -hmm. I know that if, if I, my 2D starts to rise, then I turn away a little and go back out. So I, I'm making sure that, like, if I, if I said, hey, look, it's 19 feet here, so I got to keep my boat in 19 feet. But if I'm going, or 20, because it says 20 on the map, so we'll say 20. So if I'm going, oh, I'm in 20, I'm good. Oh, I'm in 20, I'm good. Oh, I'm in 20, I'm good. You didn't get any of this. Yep. So, so I sneak it up and keep it honest to see how the contours are changing. Nice. So you're just sneaking up, sneaking up, going back, sneaking up. Th that's the real that's way the to old school way to do it. Right. But it's a thousand percent accurate. It's one million percent accurate because you you're seeing that contour change and then you just nose yourself back out again and then you do it again because you could lose. If you just go into a certain depth range, you lose all this. Yeah, you then you're just chucking into the middle of nowhere and you're, you're three casts away from potentially a winning school of fish and have no idea what you just did. 100%. And so, so conversely, if we're fishing something isolated, not connected to anything, all right, I'll do the same thing. But at this point, if I'm fishing something isolated like this, I've already side imaged it. I've already ran my 2D over it. I know exactly where the the deal on the deal is. Okay. Mm -hmm. The only thing I don't know is where did the fish reposition from when I found that structural element. So now what I'm going to do is let's say I approach it from this way mm -hmm. because this is the key this is the key zone this rock ridge is the key zone right so i approach it from this way i make my cast and i don't catch anything i don't leave it yet i'll take my boat and i'll reposition it behind it and i'll throw the opposite way on it and i'll work it from deep to shallow because sometimes those bass want the bait coming from the deep water up the structure to get it um a perfect uh, what's that say nothing you just answered lincoln's question you asked it 10 minutes ago oh I yeah figured, okay. I, I assumed you were gonna you're gonna circle around and eventually get to that point so there you go lincoln yeah so here's here's a perfect example um a buddy of mine had a tournament on a local lake here and at the time i was fishing bass masters and he said hey you can you come out and practice with me for a day and I said, where's the, what, what lake's it on? He told me, I said, we're not going to need a day. I said, we won't need a day. So we go to the lake and I'm not going to mention the name of the lake, but we go to the lake and I come up on this uh, structural element. And to be brutally honest with you, it was nothing more than a long point. That's all it was. And it's very similar to this right here is what we were fishing. A little scattered gravel up on it. I'm talking about a point that's 50 right. yards off the bank, got some contour lines there. Right. And it's scattered. It had a good, it had a good swing on one side of it. It had a good swing on the other side of it. But for the most part, um, the one swing was flat and mundane. Um, the, the, the swing on the south side of it was much steeper and much tighter to the bank. Okay. So we pull up here and we approach it normally. 
I approach it from out here and I start making my casts up to what I want to fish the mm-hmm. normal way. Bow position is right there where my finger is. He goes, well, they're not here. And I go, no, I, I saw some fish on my 2d sonar. And so I said, we're going to do something. So I pulled the boat around and I put the boat right here. So you're up on, I'm just for the iTunes listeners. I'm just describing what you're doing. You're, yeah. you, you swung around from the point where you were fishing it very traditionally. You're now on the I'm, shallow yeah, side so of I'm the re- point to where you can cast out towards the deep water. Right. And I'll, and I'm going to tell you how shallow I was. If you went to back cast, you'd hit the trees behind you. Oh, so you I were like li- bank fishing. I was literally almost on the bank. And so I told my buddy, I said, we have to check this because I saw fish. So we have to check this. And I fired a cast deep out deep to shallow. And we literally were catching them on every cast. And I, and he goes, that's crazy. And I said, I'll prove it to you. I went back out and around and we fished the entire point all the way around the point. We cross cast it. We did everything from deep to shallow, never got a bite. I said, watch this. We went back around. I put the boat on the bank. I go make one more cast out there. He makes another cast. Boom. He's loaded up. He's got another one. And so you have to change your angles when you're structure fishing, because I have seen a million times where the bass want it coming a certain way and so you have to change your angles that's why the boat control is so critical is that typically just because there's probably some sort of undetectable uh underwater current even if you're not on a tva or something it could be wind generated it could be some residual current or something that just those fish always face into the current they always expect the bait fish or the bait to be coming a certain way yes so it and it might not be the way that you're picturing it in your head correct and so and and so also the other thing too is i I could almost bet dollars to a donut the fish were on crayfish and so they wanted that crankbait rooting in the rooting all the way up the thing Mm -hmm. um where when it would break free and be free floating they weren't chasing suspending balls of bait they they were feeding from the on the from the bottom Mm-hmm. So I think that was the other way, but current is totally cur- current will reposition fish in a second because fish are going to go to their optimum feeding zone. And here's the thing to remember, actively feeding bass will be on the upcurrent side, neutral or negative bass will be resting on the downcurrent side. And so that's what you have to take into consideration with current. Now they're like Matt, perfect perfect example wind will generate current although it's very minimal it will still generate current and wind does something else everybody says oh the bait fish they were pushed by the wind bait fish are not pushed by wind bait bait fish feed on plankton plankton is moved around by wind and current and so as the wind moves and the current goes the plankton goes and the bait fish follow their food source and the bass that are chasing pelagics are following their food source. And so that's how that feeding cycle. And then we're following the bass. Right. And we're following the bass. Exactly. That, that's exactly how the feeding cycle works. Mm-hmm. And so you have to keep this in mind. Um, the, the probably the most trickiest I don't want to say boat control, but the most trickiest is vegetation edges because you have several different kinds of vegetation. You'll have vegetation that just abruptly ends. It's like a vertical wall of grass that comes out. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're, you know, flipping it, you know, traditionally slip sink or rig, jig, whatever, flipping it, you could pretty much get on that edge and work the edge around. Like if you know that the bass are two feet in, you could pretty much see on your 2D sonar, especially up, there's the grass, back it up, pitch, 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 whack, whack, pretty easily. But crankbaiting grass, which is one of my all-time favorite things to do, is a little more 
tricky and takes a little more refined boat control because no no grass edge is a straight line no grass edges Gra grass well i don't have it but but grass doesn't all grow out to one defined edge and then straight so you can't say that's straight for 300 yards right there's going to be nooks and crannies turns outcroppings there's going to be places where it's a sheer grass edge and places where the grass peters off so if you're looking at this, this is an old map that I, I'm re, um, I'm re, uh, repurposing, start, repurposing. So if you look, this will be, a, this could be a straight grass edge. Okay. Um, it's, it's on the first break in the lake. It's a straight grass edge. And if this is where your fish are located, um, you could get, get on there and you could work it. Um, the deeper broken grass it starts to get sparse and scattered as that brake line meanders down the light penetration or bottom composition will start to break that grass up generally speaking cranking grass that's the money shot right there Th this is where you want to be because usually you'll catch bigger quality bass here but this is a tricky thing because you're you're going to try to stay near that grass and you're going to do the 2d sonar meander up meander back trick okay but some of that stuff is separated from the main grass and you could actually go on the inside of probably one of the best spots a condo so, that's a little bit separate that sticks out it's like a willow tree when it's flooded that sticks away from the rest of the willow trees it's like a dock on a road that sticks out further it's just the same exact thing except it's underwater and it's grass it's isolated it holds fish correct so so what i'm going to wind up doing in this situation here is i'm putting again i'm putting my boat on the, the deep part of the break where i know grass can't grow as long as i could reach up here with a cast if I can't reach up here with a cast, the beauty part about forward-facing sonar is now I could scope it and I could see where that vegetation is. Where before I was doing everything with 2D and it was, it was tedious because I couldn't be in a big hurry to keep going. So I would put my boat out here for the 2D guys. I'd put my boat out here where the grass stops growing. And I'm going to make a 45 degree angle cast. So I'm going to cast it up my crankbait or my Carolina rig or whatever I'm fishing up to here. Right. Now, now if I'm cranking, because I said, because I, I love cranking grass. So I'm going to have to start slow with a very slow retrieve up here to walk the bait over the taller grass. As I get the bait over the taller grass, the, the mechanics of the crankbait are going to take it down. And so then I could walk it through whatever debris I find down there, rocks or stumps or whatever. I can walk it down through that. As soon as I come in contact with grass, I stop the retrieve, let the crankbait back itself up a little bit, and then I start to retrieve again. So I'm going to Oop, I hit the grass. I'm going to let it back itself up. Then I'm going to slow my retrieve down and then go through where if I'm up here, I'm missing all of this. Mm -hmm. So again, boat control is everything. And if you're paralleling the grass, if you've got a good steep brake line and the grass can only grow out to the edge of the brake line, paralleling the grass, you could use your forward facing sonar 100% to your advantage because you could see the grass so you can make more accurate casts to the edge where with 2d sonar you you do the creep technique you creep up you see the grass you creep back out and you assume you're making a parallel cast well a lot of times i'll make 10 or 15 casts and they're always in the grass and then i got to gradually work my cast out parallel once I get on that edge where I, I'm only ticking grass occasionally, I know I got the right cast, and that's where how you usually get bit. But with forward-facing sonar, now you can see it underwater, so you're more apt to make the, the right cast right off the rip, or at least with one or two throws mm -hmm. instead of 15 or 10. You know what I mean? So, so again, boat control. It's everything. Go ahead. 
this also works from the bank, Frank. We're talking about boat control here, but what I hear, you're talking about angles, which direction you're casting, going from deep to shallow. Like you can apply these, especially if you're around bridges or riprap or can have access at a state park that has points based on which direction the wind is blowing. So even 100%. though it is boat control, this is applicable to those who also fish off the bank. Yeah. Oh, 100%, dude. I mean, uh, when you pond hop, you do the same thing when you're pond fishing. Mm -hmm. Oh, we got to cast more parallel. To, they're right on that grass edge and you're throwing the frog or whatever you're throwing, you know, five feet off the bank, but straight, you know, parallel to the bank. I mean, it's the same thing. This, this principle in the beginning of this whole thing, I said, I'm going to maximize my fish catching potential with boat control or if you're on shore with where you're going to place your cast based on what the terrain is in front of you you know what i mean so it's all it's all predicated this is all predicated to get more bites to get more fish in the boat um can you haphazardly run your trolling motor around and you buy something and cast and catch a couple. Sure you can, especially if you're in the grass. Sure you can. But are you going to catch the biggest? Are you going to catch the most? And are you going to be the most effective? That's the whole, the whole thing with today's little thing. Randall says he always listens on Spotify. Today he chose YouTube. Those drawings are beautiful. <laughs> Thanks, dude. <laughs> I'm glad you chose YouTube today. And those and those I'm, I repurposed some of those drawings. Yeah, no, that's uh because God, I, it was it was a timing element, man. You know what sucks? And I know you gave away and we have a bunch. I would have loved to have done a day four BTL drawing book with you. Even just the basic ones, like that would have been awesome to scan those in and then come out with like a little signature series hardcover like a coffee book. Yeah, I have I have a coloring book I did for Triton back in the day. Yeah, yeah I think you've shown that. I did. But I want it like a specific BTL. Could you imagine like a, a black hardcover book and it's got the the green metallic BTL on it, and then on the inside there's like a little forward of, by you, little history of what you do, what you did, and then and then on each page you've got the drawings and on what show it was on and stuff. And I, I just maybe yeah, maybe that'd sell. It would, be, it would be cool. Do they do coffee books anymore? Coffee table books? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, because they still do coffee tables. You know why? Because I'm in the process of ordering a new coffee table. Are you getting glass top or wood? No, 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 no. Uh, I'm getting wood. Have you seen the new coffee tables that like you can actually they turn them into a tray? So like it looks like a chest, but then you have storage underneath it. But then it actually like turns into like a TV tray. But it All looks right, vintage. Yeah. It's they're phenomenal. They're fairly fairly inexpensive. Always. Hey, I'm getting I'm getting text from work right now. Is that good or bad? I'm not a hundred percent sure. I swear, if they're like, "Oh, the perfect tens aren't going to be out on time, and we have to reshoot another show," I'm gonna I'm gonna lose it. <laughs> I'm gonna because just... I think we said when we recorded, I was an idiot and said, "Hey, this is the February first show." <laughs> oh, do you know how upset I would be? No, that's okay. Big deal. We'll, we'll, we'll be okay. I, I, you gotta you take know, care. You gotta take care of anything there. I don't know. I'll, I'll do they not out. know that on Thursdays at eight thirty central time, you do day four with the man, Frank Scalish. Yeah. But remember sometimes you say, <clears throat> I say things and then get in trouble. Oh yeah. You didn't say anything today that could get you in trouble. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> to my knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. You never know. You know what? Because we, we talk about everything. Um, you know, that's right. Frank does whatever Frank wants. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> Look, people think that my, my book. Oh, yeah. There we do. That's it. We're doing a Frank Scalish calendar. All right. I'm on it. We're doing it. But anyway, so, yeah. I mean, because we, we talk about everything. And I, and I talk about... Um, all different types of baits from different manufacturers, pretty much no holes barred. 
because I'm only talk about my experiences. I only talk about the truth. So sometimes, you know, if I'm talking about a shad rap, mm -hmm. oh well. If I'm talking about, you know, a, oh, a mega. Speaking bat, of cold well. water cranks, uh, I was perusing LureNet this morning, and there is a handful of craw pattern spring crankbaits. Bandit 300 just came out with one. Here, let me pull it up. I almost forgot about this one, but this is in the paint shop right now. I mean, pretty much anything you need for cranking there, a Bandit 300, a Bandit 200, a Speed N, uh, and a Deep Flat A, all in various uh, late winter, early spring colors. Yeah, and you, and the, the, craw, the craw colors are important in the spring because um, the, the crayfish will start to come out in mass in the spring as the water warms up they start to come out in mass they don't really hibernate like the people used to think they hibernate but they don't really hibernate they just come out in mass that's a good that was good underwater footage man did you shoot that no i did not shoot that but um one of those crankbait colors is mine there it is right there yeah that's not your color but that's a bandit 200 200 Dude, yeah how, look at how, that's what you were talking about grinding on the bottom like a crawfish when you were going deep to shallow right 100 percent. so here so i have a question for you the bandit 200 remember when the bandit 200 first came out yeah it i was, caught a 9-4 on it out of lake taylorville that the replica's on the wall and it's still the lake record yeah dude that bait used to be in every bass fisherman's tackle box and I don't mean one bait. I mean gobs of them, gobs of different colors in that bait. And then um, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do. I'm painting colors for Bandit. I'm gonna paint some colors for Bandit. Yeah, some Bandit 200. Yeah, the, because uh... the Bandit walleye deeps. Um, these walleye guys. That's that's one of my colors. Um, old that one reliable. just came out. Yeah, old reliable is one of mine. Um, What's the three, the 300 or the, that's in a 300. That's though. in a 300. But here, look, you won't say it. That needs to be in a 200. It doesn't need to be in a 200, but here I'm going to, it needs I'm to a, be in a 100, 200 and 300 is what it needs to be. In. <laughs> right. So here, so I want to explain something to you guys. So I, when I'm, when I'm running the, when I'm running my bandits, okay. I'll run a 200 and a 300 because okay. the 300 gets deeper than the 200. So there was, I was doing this one video one time and I had, I was fishing uh, marinas and I was fishing a, a sailboat marina. And so they had these dredges in them um, where the, where the, um, what the hell is that thing called? Ballast? The, the, on the bottom of a sailboat, Matt. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a ballast it's the thing that like keep it goes way yeah, it's, it's like that big keel on it so they have to yeah, dredge, keel. they have to dredge them out so the keel yep. when the boat goes into the dock the keel so what was happening was what i noticed was that on the flat spots that came out there were bass utilizing the flat spots and there were bass utilizing the dredge edge where the keel goes okay so i would take the 200 banded and i would throw it up on the edges of these slips and then I would take the 300 and run it down the middle. And so I was catching bass that I wouldn't have caught on the 200, you know, utilizing the 300. Um, and I think the 300, the 300 got a lot of, gets a lot of play for, believe it or not, the crappie guys. Um, they troll that 300 for crappie all the time. Um, it's something that I not, I have not really, I've never got into the crappie trolling mm -hmm. game, but but I have really good buddies of mine that do it, like Pete Ponds, man. He he would go out and smother those crappies trolling at 300. So <laughs> I think what happened is I think baits have a tendency to get niched. And once a bait gets niched, it falls out of favor with the other market. And so I think what happens, like, it's just like the perfect 10 got niched with the walleye community. So the bass guys really didn't groove on mm -hmm. it because the company started painting walleye colors because that's where it went. Um, so, you know, I think that's what's happened, but, 
But um, yeah, that two hundred and three hundred man, they're they're special little crankbaits. Yeah, people are all in on the uh, people are all in on the calendar. Oh, <laughs> they want they want. Uh, I think I think uh, John and Dominic may have missed the point of it. It's Frank Scalish's drawings. It's not a swimsuit edition. It's not, <laughs> it's not slinging a deep no. end in the month of February. Yeah, no, certainly it's not a steamy drawing for <laughs> yeah. December. It's a, it's literally, unless a, it's a hot water discharge. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. So, all right. Uh, like I said, record a show next week. What else we got, Frank? Anything you want to talk about? You know I'm stressed out, man. I, I got a lot to do before we, before I hit the road for, uh, for Florida. And then, uh, and then, so I wore out my debit card. That's what I was just on the phone with. So I go into the bank. Uh, or my credit, my bank card, just right, the right, way, right. way it sits. So the strip didn't work, the electronic. So I went in. And I was like, she's like, oh, I could print you out a new one right now. And I was like, oh, sweet. Same logo. It's got a little jumping bass on it, everything. And Perfect. she hands it back to me and goes, oh, anything that is linked to this card, though, the expiration date changed now. So you need to go into all of your accounts that are auto pay and change it. Well, hell, I, I've got so much everything. stuff on auto pay <laughs> so now it's the, it's the end of the month so i've changed what i can but now i'm getting all of the your so-and-so payment was declined this was declined that was declined because then i have to go in reset the passwords to all of them because i don't remember when i did it three years ago you know oh, what i yeah. mean oh, and yeah. then change a five to a seven and then everything is good but i wish i had known about that before i said hook me up with the new bank card yeah, it's never it's never as easy as it it's never as easy as they make it out to be. Believe me, I can't like tech like technology drives me crazy. Um, oh, you had a little meltdown this morning. Oh, yeah, no, you meltdown. were called, but you were. I could tell that you were one thing away from screw it. Yeah, <laughs> Tr truthfully, that's a hundred percent accurate. Um, because, you know, all of a sudden, you know, everything works perfectly. And then all of a sudden it doesn't. Yeah. And, it, and it's like, there's no reason for this. Yeah. But, but it always happens. I thought I was being canceled. <laughs> no. I'm getting canceled. But, um, yeah. So, you know, I mean, whatever. But you guys got to, you guys got to watch next week's show for sure. For all right. Sure. Yep. I'll be in Florida. Uh, you'll be in northern ohio <laughs> i i hope you're in florida and the uh sound that that braid makes when the bass is trying to pull away from you i hope you and hear I, that frequently and i hope it's followed by me screaming because it went directly into the freaking cut and there's a yeah. nine pounder that's just sawing it back and forth it, and it's gonna happen and if it rains look out because it's gonna <laughs> it's as gonna long as i land it that's as right. long as I land the sucker. Hey guys, uh, I don't talk about this. Uh, I don't talk like Steve on this. He goes, Matt, you need a wife. And then Spencer replies, Matt, you do not need a wife. <laughs> <laughs> and then Anthony just says, good luck. I'm don't, I was hoping he's talking about the fishing. <laughs> I think he's talking about the fishing. Uh, um, I don't even know what the hell I was talking about. That you don't normally talk about this, you said. Nah, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff I don't normally talk about. Okay, we're good. Oh, I don't normally talk about this, but if you watch day four and you watch it on YouTube, I know we had some new YouTube listeners here, and you do not subscribe to Bass Talk Live. Not to subscribe, you just create a Google account. YouTube is part of that. And then when you go in, you can hit subscribe. When we go to sponsors and we talk about uh, value, the thumbs up helps put the show kind of in an algorithm so more people can see it and watch Uncle Frank. And then the subscription helps when we're doing yearly con content. I always say it was literally because of thumbs up and subscriptions and the increase that we saw on YouTube this past year that added 30 more day five or not day five, but guide day shows. Uh, in 2023 right. so 
if you guys are fans of BTL, fans of this, appreciate it. Spend the two seconds to click subscribe, click a thumbs up. And then if you are listening on uh, Spotify, iTunes, any of that stuff, uh, give us a star rating and then leave a review or a comment. I literally go into those comments every single month, pluck out the comments, uh, you know, unless there's one that's like, hey, Matt, you should quit. You suck. Uh, <laughs> and then I take those comments and put them in a document that goes to all of the BTL sponsors. Perfect. That's perfect. So, yeah, not the you suck at life ones. Those well. seem to come in waves. <laughs> By the same two or three angry people. It's always the same two or three angry people. All right, Frank. Stay okay. warm. Yeah, I'm boy. headed to uh I'm headed to Florida. Good luck, man. Thank you. All right, good show. This has been another edition of Day Four with the man Frank Scalish. We'll, we'll talk to you later. See ya. Adios.